Hey, in case you uh, don't know, we're working through this uh, book, Journey in the Wilderness, and uh, uh, we've uh, <coughs> come through uh, stage one, the sanctification process, where there's humbling and testing, and stage two, where we're getting rid of all idols, and uh, now we're going to uh, begin stage three. And uh, this is an interesting stage because it... Uh, has to do with our motives. It has to do with all kinds of things that are hard to talk about, hard to picture, can't be seen, but they're going on behind the scenes. Um, just going to open the word of prayer. Lord God, we just look to you in all things. Father, uh, we thank you, Father, that uh, we can come freely into your house. Father, we give you all glory and honor and praise, and it is right to do so, Father. So, uh, Father, we come humbly and uh, we come uh, thanking you. And uh, Father, uh, we just uh, pray that uh, it's an individual message for each one of us here today, Lord. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you want to find uh, Deuteronomy 7, if uh, anybody's using their phone or whatever they're finding their Bible on, I've got to switch to that. So less conversation. Deuteronomy 7, the first uh, six verses. Either that or we need a bigger lectern. Uh, okay, it's called Driving Out the Nations. When, your Lord, when the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, and here's the seven main nations he lists, the Hittites, Gergeshites, Amorites, uh, Canaanites, even though it's called the land of Canaan, there was one main area of the Canaanites. Uh, Parasites, or Sites, uh, Hivites, and Jebusites. Seven nations larger and stronger than you. Uh, and when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you, and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them, and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And, and the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Here's a list. Break down their altars. Smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. <clears throat> Always trust that God adds a blessing to the reading of his word. So Israel had to defeat many nations, but uh, these specific seven are listed because they were incompatible with the purposes of God. Uh, there could be no compromise or they would be led astray. And uh, it's hard for us to get our heads around this no compromise idea, right? The sentence to completely destroy might seem harsh but it symbolizes the resolve required. 
we need this great resolve, you know, set your face like flint, the Bible says, uh, required to deal with the nations of our hearts. So these nations we're dealing with are the nations of our hearts, the things that are in our hearts. We're going to look at seven aspects of our hearts today, uh, lined up with these seven nations. The seven nations represent our heart's motives. God judges us by our heart, so the motive, the why, uh, we have for doing something is as important as the actual thing that we do, right? What's behind there? What's in your heart? Luke uh, 6, 45 says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. The Bible doesn't mince words, right? This, this. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so our heart is spirit, right? We're not talking about our physical heart. Our heart is spirit and must not be corrupted by our fleshly motives. Uh, if that happens, then we get more into being pharisaical more like the Pharisees. Uh, and the Bible describes them as clean on the outside, right? Looking good, saying the right things, but uh, on the inside, they're filthy in their hearts, right? And that's Matthew 23, 27. Okay, that's, yeah, second one. Oh, we have Ukrainian up here as well because we have Ukrainians that come sometimes. Just in case you're wondering. Um, okay, second slide is transformation, and we have to realize that the focus in this stage is primarily trans transforming our motives, right? Why we do what we do. Um, and the reason that is, so, so we will no longer strive to get our heart needs met through our own works, uh, but rather through God. And this is just a, a Bible truth that we continually see throughout the Bible. Um, uh, the old nature that is, the non-Christian, does not have access to God's provision uh, for these heart needs, okay? Uh, don't have access because they don't believe in God. Uh, why is that? Because as long as the old, and we, say, we use the term Adamic nature, the old Adam nature, uh, is alive, it will always strive in its own efforts to meet its needs. And when that happens, it blocks God's willingness uh, to meet our every need, right? Blocks that provision that is available. If you'll just humble yourself and let it come in. Let God be what he wants to be in your life. So part of leaving us our free will is leaving us our choice as to how we will meet our heart needs. Uh, how we will make ourselves complete. Do we, do we choose God or do we choose the world? And the Bible's very clear that you cannot have both. You cannot mix those two. <clears throat> it says a house divided cannot stand, right? Uh, <clears throat> so you have to realize that the old nature uh, cannot give uh, or receive love without conditions, okay? That's just the nature. Always there's some other motive, some hidden agenda. Therefore, in order to minister, we must have uh, the nations of our motives crucified. And why is that? So we can allow the Father to meet all of our needs, as I said, so we can minister with no expectation of personal gain. We can minister out of love only, right? As close approximation to unconditional love as we can uh, get by following Jesus. 
Matthew 10, 42 said, says that uh, Jesus said that giving someone a cup of cold water out of love will not go without its reward. And we know the story in John 4, 7 to 26, uh, the woman at the well who Jesus asked for a drink and who he promised springs of living water, right? Which means he's our reward if we'll only receive him. Okay, next one, Juliana. <clears throat> okay, modeling our ministry after Jesus. What, what was he like? What was his ministry like? He gave freely to all people without any intention of receiving anything in return. Hence, he always pointed to the Father, right? His needs were completely met by God, and he has made provision through his death and resurrection for us to have our needs fully met in him, by God as well. So, the thing about it is we must always check our motives, right? Because the heart can be deceptive. And we have to realize that as Christians, we're all Christians here, that we're all ministers at the same time. We're ministers of the gospel. And as such, there are millions of people's destinies at stake, depending on our motives. So as Paul did, we must find a way to be in a position to freely give without expectation of receiving anything in return. As we know, Paul was a tent maker and he paid his way, right, as he went. But at the same time, uh, he could also ask um, with uh, clean motives uh, for help for his ministry and other ministries, right? One thing we have to realize about this stage is that this stage of the death of the flesh, which we're talking about in general, right? The flesh dying, the old man dying, and the new spirit man uh, being recognized and realized, this stage of the death of the flesh is a violent spiritual battle. There is a battle going on in the heavenlies, right? Characterized by anger. Why? How can that be? Motives are at the core of our heart. And exposing these deep areas cause some painful and extreme reactions. You know, you point out something that somebody's doing and why you think they might be doing it. You're going to get a reaction. You know, it might not be received. Each ungodly motive is like a stronghold which must be broken down and put to death. So why might there be these extreme reactions? Because the flesh fights against circumstances that expose our heart motives. It's trying to avoid its potential inevitable death if you keep following Jesus and following the Spirit. Right? The flesh knows its days are numbered. <clears throat> Resistance is a natural human response to change. Nobody really likes change. right? We like to get up in the morning and have our routine and not have too much change in that and get on with our day. So it's natural to resist change, such as letting go of an old heart motive. But if we are faithful, realizing God is faithful and trustworthy, willing to see us through the end, then we will be blessed most abundantly. Scriptural fact, right? Says that throughout scriptural, throughout scripture. Um, Psalm 66, uh, 
verses 9 to 12. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, O God, tested us. You refined us like silver. And we think, oh, that's great. You know, that's a good, good thing, isn't it, to be refined like silver? Now he says how he does that. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water. It's a process, right? And yeah, it's a refining process. But the last line is, but you brought us to a place of abundance. Okay. Uh, four Bible truths that relate to this. God disciplines those he loves. That's number two, perseverance produces character. Number three, he will never leave us or forsake us. Number four, the way of the cross is the way of suffering. Take up your cross, take up suffering daily. Okay? It's not easy to let go of motives. Okay? It's not easy to grow in the Lord. Nobody said it would be easy or everybody would be doing it, right? So that's why there's a, only 10% or whatever of Christians in the world. Slide four, hopefully you're on the same one. Uh, okay, I'm going to talk about these seven nations, these seven motives of the heart very briefly. And as I said, they're more uh, conceptual. So um, the first one is love and acceptance. First Corinthians 13, 1, very familiar. Without love, we are but a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Not very pleasant to be around. Maybe mad at the world, right? Um, we were created to love and be loved, seeking unconditional love. Okay, that's built into our spirits. Okay, uh, we want to love and we want to be loved. That's just the way we're made in His image. Only pure love will completely satisfy our hearts, and it does not exist on earth. People can only ever partially fulfill this need. And if you try to get that need completely fulfilled through a person or through something on the earth, then it ends up all kinds of problems and that's why counselors are so busy. Right? And it's not like we're exempt from that. So what about the Father's love? It's pure. And three aspects of pure or unconditional love is that it meets our heart need for love. Okay? Only God can fulfill that God-shaped vacuum that is love, is unconditional love. Another thing about pure love, it transforms our being. How does it do that? It enables and motivates us to love others. Okay? We're trying to approximate this unconditional love in any, you know, if we can, and we know we only can by following Jesus. And third, what is it about pure love? It confirms to us our worth. To God, we are of infinite value or worth. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, We are sons and heirs and royal priests of the kingdom of God. I can only go over these briefly. If you want to look any of these up, you can. Uh, intimacy, the next slide. Second, uh, heart nation. So just like every heart has a desire to love and be loved, every heart has a desire to know and be known. 
to be connected, connected uh, emotionally and spiritually. Um, this can be true with your spouse, but only to a degree. The walk up the mountain, as they say, to maturity in Jesus is an individual walk, as you know. Nobody can walk it for you, right? <clears throat> so God created sex for two reasons, both procreation, obviously to make children, and as an expression of intimacy. For sex and intimacy to be what God intended, it's a good thing. God created a good thing there. The lust of the flesh must be crucified and we must have true intimacy with God first. Then intimacy with others is possible since it is not driven by need. So we take this concept and put uh, intimacy in terms of ministry. We can say that this allows for unconditional giving and hence fruitful ministry. You're not in the ministry looking for something. Intimacy with God has requirements. Uh, <clears throat> we must be first open, honest, and without deception, and second, share our most secret thoughts, our hearts. Our hearts become fully exposed, we must lay our hearts bare. You've heard that expression. Okay, uh, third heart nation, next one. Honor, respect, and purpose. Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, the people perish. Without purpose, we are unmotivated and disoriented, given to wasting excesses. Right, there's so many excesses, so many ways we can waste our time and our energy. Um, another word for that is dissipation. You know, things fall away, go away, waste away. Honor and purpose answer our question, why am I here? What is the purpose of getting up every day? Right? And we can have great empathy for people who don't have Jesus and have empathy for all the ways that uh, people have to compensate without Jesus. To try to find that purpose, right? Looking in all the wrong places. Only God can speak our purpose or our destiny to us. It's actually a gift from God, right? To have this purpose spoken into you. So what's our reward for completing our call? Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. Right, you want to hear those words. And it's a very interesting thing that I'd never really thought about before in Revelations 5, 12. It says, in a loud voice they sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive. And there's seven things that you can receive if you... Uh, Fulfill your purpose. And they're listed there. Power, wealth, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and praise. Seven, seven wonderful things to receive, right? Stay in your purpose and keep walking with God. And Jesus completed his task and so was worthy to receive the seven rewards of Revelation 5.12. He received honor as he completed his call, completed his purpose that was set before him. That's all that's asked of us, right? God won't ask any more than you can do, right? <clears throat> it's okay and it's even good to seek honor as long as it's done out of a heart of humility, right? That's okay. It's okay to 
to receive honor for something. Um, but it must be done in milk. What's that mean? It means that uh, it's got to be done for the good of others. So you put others ahead of yourself whenever you're lifted up. You know, you receive something. How can I pass it? How can I bring others up? Right? How can I give? Now, I've received so much blessing. How do I give to others? Um, <clears throat> and seeking honor is okay if, the on, if you recognize the honor of God's goodness to you. Honor that is self-seeking invites evil okay? uh, and can never fulfill its purpose. And I don't know how long it's been since you read the book of Esther, but we've been listening to um, a pastor on Esther recently. And um, you remember Haman in there and uh, how he thought he was going to receive honor. And uh, he absolutely hated uh, Esther's uh, cousin Mordecai because he would never bow down to him. It all goes back through history to the Agagite king. If you see there, it says Haman the Agagite. Um, and so he built a gallows to kill Mordecai. And, he, and Esther had a feast and he thought he was going to be honored. And what ended up happening, he ended up being hanged on the gallows. And he had to parade Mordecai up and down the street before he was hanged on the, uh, on the king's horse. And say how great and wonderful he was. It's just a great story. It's a story about... Um, Honoring and seeking honor in a wrong way. All right, so um, I think it's only seven or eight chapters. So God calls us and gives us gifts and talents. Why does he do that? To enable us to do our ministry, right, wherever we go. And second, be honored by him for our obedience. Power and position. To meet man's needs for power and position. God knew that we would want this, right? So he gave us dominion. Okay? He empowered us to rule the earth and all that is in it. Right back in the first chapter, Genesis 1.28. Man was made to rule his domain, and this is evidenced by our desire for a home. Right? We want to rule, we want to get things under control, have a safe home, home ownership, and enterprise, right? All manner of work and endeavor that we take on uh, shows that we want to get our world under control. But the power to rule is often abused by the flesh, and what comes out of that? But greed and fear, right? Work, workaholism, whatever. Um, I don't want to say negative things about, work, about working. I love working. Um, so it's not always workaholism, right? I got to defend that a little bit. But, uh, but uh, if you're doing it with the wrong motive, right? To enhance yourself only. Um, but even though we can get off on a tangent and uh, use power the wrong way, uh, at the same time, God, through the Holy Spirit, <coughs> gives us power over any of the works of the devil, right? So in the end, if we stick with God, if we uh, follow the Holy Spirit, if we go back to our Bibles, if we pray, we can overcome that when we get off on a tangent. Okay, next one. Um, provision, wealth, and prosperity. Okay, it's okay to be wealthy. It's okay. 
right? We discussed that last week, as long as it's used in the right way. Um, provision, wealth, and prosperity operate on all three levels of the human being, on the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual dimensions, affect us in every way. We cannot provide for ourselves. God must make provision for us on all these three levels for us to have abundance and fulfill our calling. And the Garden of Eden was the ultimate in abundance. God did that, right? Think about how he set that up. Unbelievers seek the same abundance, thinking erroneously that making enough money will lead to happiness. Everybody can come up here and testify that that never worked out for them, right? At any point in your life, if you said, oh, I'm going to get this and go there and earn this and do that, never ended up in happiness, right? This is lust of the flesh, and it can never be satisfied. Always more, and it can never satisfy. I wrote this little thing. Um, you see something, you want it, you get it, and you're still not happy, right? You ever had that experience? Oh, boy, I should want that thing, right? A rich man was asked, how much money do you want? And he replied, more. Right? Never enough. You learn that early in life, right? So you don't ever chase that. Um, this is a worldly substitute for the wealth found only in the Spirit of God. There is real wealth to be had, right? Even ministries can manifest a worldly drive to get bigger, to do more, when it's not the spirit who is prompting this drive, right? So you have to be careful that you just equate ministerial success with numbers, right? Not always the case. Uh, <clears throat> and that can, that can come down too, because the flesh has this uh, unquenchable desire to provide. If you say something good about the flesh in a way, it was only, it was only done with the right motive, uh, it could be good. It does want to provide everything. It doesn't realize it can't do it, right? It has to come from the spirit. Uh, okay, next one. Okay. Um, home or rest and security. One main aspect of the promised land was that it was a place of rest and security. Okay, we're talking about this journey in the wilderness about going to the promised land. Deuteronomy 25, 19 says, there would be no wild animals and no hostile nations after uh, they defeated them. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. Right, and I was thinking about that yoke this morning you were talking about, right? There is no rest in this world. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. It's a chasing after the wind, right? We pursue worldly gain only. Our heart must be transformed to know that nothing can separate us from his love and protection. Okay? That's only the Christian realizes or believes that. The flesh, the untransformed, cannot receive this idea, this truth, that God will never leave us, God will always protect us, because the flesh can never trust to the degree of faith. It's always relying on itself, right? And we talked about those old sayings that people have, got everything just by, you know, my sweat and pulled myself up my bootstraps and all those 
things that come into our lives, right? These lies that we carry on. <clears throat> we cannot operate in our giftedness or fulfill our call if we do not have safety in three areas of our lives. Our primary relationships, family, close friends, in our own home, and in our church. Feel safe in those three areas and then you can grow and build from a solid foundation. The transformed heart no longer suffers the incapacitating, even debilitating. You can be incapacitated where you're hung up somewhere, but you can also be debilitated where you're set back, right? Um, the transformed heart no longer suffers the incapacitating, even debilitating fear of attack and accident because we have the reassurance of being safe in his very capable hands. You may still suffer attack and accident, but you know you can trust him and he will see you through, right? We can testify. We're not uh, immune to all the things that the world has to offer. We still suffer this stuff. I had Shane's head last week where he banged that two by four. Um, okay, lastly, the will. Uh, <clears throat> last, but by no means least. God has given us the right of choice. Free will. Good thing I wasn't God. I don't think I would have done that. But uh, anyway, it's caused no end to problems. But in order to have true worship, you need to have free will. So, whole nations have languished, just basically been incapacitated, um, when their right of personal choice has been taken away by oppressive governments. You don't look very far, North Korea, have you ever watched that? Or China's one-person policy, one-child policy, etc. Um, our right to choose is built into the, our spirits by God. We will rebel. If someone, if someone closes you in too tight, Right? You naturally want choice. Just inside of us. Um, this doesn't necessarily become evil when we resist man, although it can, but being self-willed against God instead of surrendered to God always leads to our downfall. There's only one way to walk with God, and that is being surrendered in humility to Him. Because this means that we allow the flesh to dominate the spirit. We're not surrendered to God. How do we know we're surrendered to God? A surrendered will to God always produces good fruit. Right? Check a, check a tree, a tree shall be known by its fruit. Produce fruit in keeping with the kingdom. Jesus on Gethsemane reaffirms his surrender to the Father. In Luke twenty two forty two, he says, Not my will, but thine be done. Right? As an example to us, we surrender to Jesus not only as Savior, not only for our salvation, but also as Lord. Not my will, but thy will over mine be done. Right? Um, <clears throat> surrender, what is it? The process of, is rocky and tumultuous. Right? It's not like this straight, easy walk. Right? It's tumultuous. There's waves. It's up and down. There's interruptions. Surrender is tumultuous, but that only testifies to the degree to which the flesh wants to hold our will above God's. Right? We don't like to let go of that will. We don't like that. 
right? Um, the will can be misguided by the flesh, in other words. But this only keeps God's provision away from his redeemed, away from us, right, if that happens. When God's people are cut off from his provision, they attempt to get their needs met by their own efforts, by their own will. And the will is right there only to willing, no pun intended, uh, to fulfill, right? To try to fulfill those needs um, if we don't fulfill them in the Lord. This always leads to evil because you affect everybody. You're not an island, right? You affect everybody and everything around you uh, negatively when you put yourself continually first. We can all testify to that. So, just to uh, last uh, scripture, uh, the conquering of the seven heart nations brings provision, rest, and fruitfulness in Jesus. That is, if we conquer these seven different aspects, it brings blessing to our lives. And talking about the blessed man, David said in Psalm 1-3, Here's what it's like to be blessed. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. It's fruitful. And whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Okay. So who would not want that? <laughs> okay. Thanks.